0: and girls, Die and Die is here. That's right, we're closing the book on Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal Patrick Hamilton coming to you once again, hopefully, from Camp Crystal Lake or somewhere close by. Uh, I'm bringing you the Kill by Kill podcast once again, where we're dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film the characters we will be unpacking all the gory details of every hack slash and decapitation in the hopes that a camper's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make about them and there's only one person i trust to wander out into the rainy and dark night armed with only a boot knife and that is the one and the only gina radcliffe
1: hello patrick how are you
0: Oh, I hope I'm so much better than I have been the last 15 times we've tried to record this intro.
1: 16th is the charm, you know?
0: Ned Ryerson?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe it.
0: You have not been introduced, you. You sit back down. This is Gina's time to shine.
1: Okay. (laughs) I I just... Gotta get a chance to, to tell you about my uh how I've been keeping myself busy since the last time we recorded. And how's that? I, I've been making stuff for the uh, the next annual Crystal Lake Craft Fair and Swap Meet. Ooh, I like it. You're crafty. Uh, our our audience may have recall uh the episode before last. We uh we talked about Jason's crafting abilities, how he mm-hmm. keeps himself busy between uh killing new sets of uh of new young adults. Mm-hmm. Um so I thought I would uh, get in on that, make myself a little extra dosh, you know how it is. Um <laughs> so I uh I made a a Shack a Sweet Shack sampler. Ooh a uh, a coffee cup. Yeah, you know how the personalized coffee cups are, are a thing right now?
0: They're all the rage.
1: It says, "You don't have to be a backwards mutant to work here, but it helps."
0: Oh, that's be uh, great for my boss.
1: Right now, I am uh, I'm working on a, a tea cozy that uh that looks like Mrs. Warhi's decaying head.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I like it.
1: You know, the uh, the, the kids are really into the handmade stuff, you know, the 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 Etsy's, the Society 6's. Uh, I have yeah, I have my finger on the pulse of youth culture right now, and that pulse is saying DIY, DIY. That's so I, right. I, I'm getting in on that. I'm, I'm getting in on the. I, you can't really call it the bottom floor. Maybe the twelfth or thirteenth floor at this point. I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm in it though. That the, I, I am in it.
0: Well, you can't do anything unless you're trying, and then there you go. You've already got product that basically is screaming to get off the shelves, or at I'm least nervous. out, or at
1: least or at least out of my house.
0: <laughs> and you live in New York, so there's precious few spaces for all of that extra DIY stuff. Exactly. Yes. Um, so, here to help us close out yet another Friday, the 13th movie, there's only one person that we can ask to come here and, and help close the wounds, as it were, of all the injuries that we have been inflicted with. It is the Drunken Master of the Hollywood Podcast. Mr. Clint Worthington how you doing Clint
2: I'm doing great I'm very glad to hear that uh, any more you need my
0: help to finish <laughs> Well I it's sometimes admitting such things opens up possibilities and then you find yourself in a new plane of understanding and sexual awakening
2: Indeed you you live your best you
0: Well yeah. you know what some people when they want to be deflowered as a virgin say okay Let's do it standing up in the shower. I don't know any different. Why don't we just do that? And they do.
2: I personally know a a bunch of uh, Crispin Glover dancing really does it for me.
0: Does it for a lot of people. Yeah. That's what we found. So let's get right into it. We are at the tail end here of our journey through Friday the 13th, the final chapter. And I have to say, it's perhaps, you know, this is a really enjoyable movie. It's, every, it's sort of the platonic ideal of a Friday the 13th movie. Even though it's kind of split into two halves. The more I've watched it, the more disconnected these two parts have become. It's at this point we usually tell everyone who's left alive. And the only people left alive here are as follows. Rob, who is, I still think he's a shitty monster hunter. We'll get into that more. Then we've got Tommy and Trish. Their brother and sister, and they've been locked in a battle with their mother to stop her from combining uh, orange juice and tuna fish together. And it's a losing battle up until now. And then we have Jason Voorhees. Oh, I'm sorry. I've forgotten one member of this uh, camping group. And that is Gordon, the dog who can sense (laughs) nudity.
3: Yes,
1: that's a re- rejected, a rejected uh, Disney movie from the nineteen sixties. <laughs>
0: that's right. Kurt <laughs> Russell was going to star. It was going to be great. He's going to.
2: Roddy McDowell was going to voice the dog. You know, going to,
0: like, uh... it's a franchise in the making. They just right. didn't have the balls to really go for it. And then, well, neither, then neither Roger... did the dog, though. <laughs> no, that's true.
2: <laughs> Hashtag Spit that's your true. pets. <laughs>
0: Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Um, so So we're left with this group that's basically been separated from almost everyone else we've been talking about for the rest of the podcast. The Dead Meat Gang has officially reached their landing point of dead meat. Yeah, they and- are
2: all dead fucks.
0: in in the most literal of senses yes and therefore we can kind of backtrack a little and talk a little bit more about tommy and trish and rob because we've we've mentioned things here and there in terms of like getting people from one plot point to the next but out outside of Trish's desperate need for juice at every moment and her aversion to pants which I don't begrudge. I her.
2: didn't realize there was a fourth part to O.J. Made in America. <laughs> That's right. And
0: all lands on Trish. Oh She's, no. Mm. I guess oh, he does everything yeah. for Blonde, so. Oh no. Oh, too soon? Is it too soon? <laughs>
2: <laughs> murder, oh, Wait no. a second. Why am
0: I? Why am I so uptight about murder? The whole thing is called kill by kill. I should just <laughs> let go of that. Yes. Okay. So when we first meet Rob, okay, is when Tommy and Trish have gone to go swimming, discovered a bunch of naked people, and Trish is like, no, takes Tommy back. Their car ends up failing. After it's already started, and then they coast to the side of the road. Trish kind of nervously can't handle the fact that they've stopped, probably because she's read the newspaper upside down, that there have been many, many, many murders in the area, and her mom is nonplussed about it.
1: Yeah, I, I, this is yeah. Her mom is just like, yeah, that's you know that that happened over heat over there. That happened like a quarter mile down the road. Right here, we're cool. We have this little bubble surrounding us. N- nothing will get through to us.
2: Yeah, their whole dynamic threw me off, and yeah, it was just so fascinating. Like the Dead Meat Gang, like you said, it feels like that's what the movie's supposed to be. And then, like in the fringes, there's this just like normal family, this sort of dadless family, just trying to get along. And so when you see those scenes with them early on, it's just so it takes you out of it a little bit.
1: Yeah, and the and the way that Trish sort of acts around Rob, I I, I know the word thirsty could be applied <laughs> to 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 this, but I mean she acts like he is the first human being a uh, uh, human being they've encountered in weeks, and they they, they they can't they're not that far from town. But well, she- according
0: to Rob, he does not know that anyone lived this far out here. But they're on a fucking road. You can't be that far from (laughs) civilization when you're right next to a a, a lake. It boggles my mind the way this particular part of it is written as opposed to the Dead Meat Gang. And like they're an addendum like the only reason Tommy and Trish and Mrs. Jarvis exist is for the third act of the movie. Otherwise, you could cut them out, and you wouldn't know they were gone. It would just end with Jason walking away, having done his due diligence, as it. Were.
2: Yeah, you know, if this were a normal Friday the Thirteenth movie, that girl in the shower would have been the final girl, and that's she would have totally, had to fight yeah. off. Yeah,
0: that's what Gina said. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's, that's not terrible. a. That's that's not a. That's, a not joke. A, that's literally okay. what Gina said in our <laughs> oh, last well, episode.
2: Great
1: minds think alike. Indeed. Good save. Good save. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean the 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 whole thing. Like, I just found a little puzzling that Rob shows up. And, you know, of course, is the fake out where you see the shoes slowly approaching in the mm-hmm. uh, in the grass. He helps them start their car, and then it's just like, "Well, come home and and meet my mother, and and let my brother take you up into his bedroom and show him around, and and." <laughs> It was like, wow! <laughs> she wow! Is so Slow down a little bit. He just he just helped you start your car. Yeah. And she, they're they are desperate for company. There's only it's it's about. A minute away from becoming a Tennessee Williams play, just just how just just <laughs> eager for for a company other than their mother, both of these young people are. Uh, well,
0: I if have these... not had a gentleman caller since the murders have been happening. <laughs> I, I, I do declare. Um, no, that's that, that's funny.
2: I mean, if these movies have taught us anything, it's never underestimate the pure strained sexual magnetism of a bland white guy in a flannel shirt. Oh, this is man. true.
1: This is true. He has yeah. slightly more charisma than Rick from part 3. Yeah. But not but not much more than that.
0: Well, Rick has a plan. Rick, when he says, I'll get you from point A to point B, he actually does it. Rick has a plan to get laid. Now, it doesn't work out for him, but that's more of a time management issue. And the fact that the person he's trying to seduce may or may not have been sexually assaulted. And he's oblivious to it. But outside of that, like, he can get hay up to the top of the bar. Like, there's things he can do. He knows how to use complex tools. (laughs) <laughs> that's right now rob meanwhile is wearing completely different fucking shoes from jason Voorhees. why do i know this because we've seen jason's shoes many 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 times before he shows up for that false scare secondly tommy the, the reason their car fails i don't particularly know but The way they restart it is holding something metal up against the solenoid. Now, that's the connector between your starter and your engine. And I know that because I looked it up on the internet. Now, that won't stop your car, that connection. Because once your car is started, it doesn't need to continuously start. So, anyways, he solves it with his (laughs) tiny, tiny, tiny boot knife. It is a very delicate boot knife for a guy who's going after a backwoods mutant murderer.
2: Hey, you know, he doesn't have anything to
0: prove. I <laughs> am I'm a, I'm, a, I'm here to tell you, yes, he does. He has a <laughs> lot to prove because he's going up up against Jason. And according to him, see this is this is a thing we're going to need to get into. This is the problem uh-huh. with both Rob and with Tommy. They've seen the two previous movies. <laughs>
3: Yeah,
0: (laughs) it's the only way they would know the information that they have even though these events have chronologically only taken place within days of where we meet them all like Rob has got this plan like hey are there kids in the area are they here to party well that's not necessarily Jason's go to thing like he just picked up on that vibe before he was just killing people who got near Camp Crystal Lake now he's just like wandering about. He's like, oh, kids in a cabin? That's an excuse to kill people near Camp <laughs> Crystal Lake. But he says it out loud as if, this is a thing I've picked up because I'm a detective and I saw the previous two movies. Like all of you in the audience, right audience? No. they People in the audience have seen those movies, but how does he know this information?
1: Yeah, I, I love my favorite part of when... Tommy is looking through the clippings that, that Rob is carrying around. They show what looks like, I guess, it's supposed to be an artist's rendition of what young <laughs> Jason Voorhees looked like, and it and it looks like something you would find in a in a scary story to tell in the book in the dark book. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just this like blurred monstrous image, and somehow he he took he took enough away from that that somehow he knew how to interpret that into how he made himself look when Jason showed up.
0: Exactly, like how does, when Jenny does her thing, it's been set up, like whatever quibbles I might have with Steve Miner as a storyteller, he at least sets up the idea that Jenny has an idea of what Jason could be, what he's experienced, how how she can use her knowledge to figure out what makes him tick, and then when push comes to shove, she tries it and it actually works. I mean, she doesn't know that that's going to work, but she's in a bind. She's closed into a trap. This is a wild swing, and by God, it works. But Tommy, it, her, his sister goes, get the fuck out of here, Tommy. And he's like, okay, right after I'm done cutting my massive amount of hair. <laughs>
2: yes. How did he have me, time
0: to do that? <laughs> it takes me 10 minutes to shave. That's just my face. I don't have that mop of hair on top of my head. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It should be in a GIF ad. And he manages to kind of shave down one half and then 30 seconds later is down the stairs,
1: it, semi-bald
0: as a cue ball. It, he, looks
1: like, he looks like Cancer Boy from Brain Candy. <laughs> yeah.
0: Sure. Yeah. I wonder if they modeled it after that look. I could totally buy that. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah, if we're we're talking about Corey Feldman, I do think it's very interesting that a cast member of Goonies does eventually end up killing Sloth by the end of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I (laughs) think it's apropos. They just knock off the mask and he just looks like ugly Sloth, like a Sloth.
1: Yeah, see, I got a, I got more toxic Avenger out of it than than sloth, but I could I can, I can see that too.
2: Yeah, I'm just trying to bring He's it like, full circle, Gina, with the booze oh, okay, connection.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. And
2: all your Richard still- Donner fans out there. <laughs>
0: And just a je ne sais quoi of the guy who melts in toxic waste in RoboCop. Just a (laughs) little bit. Yes, yes, yes. Not the whole thing. Just to add some flavor. It should be noted that Tom Savini did not design that mask. It was designed by the previous special effects team that walked off the movie. He came to fill in. So he did a lot of the kill gags and designed the end gag that's so awesome where it slices jason's head off yeah but he did not design that mask and i think it kind of shows because it's hard to understand how he gets that much uglier from <laughs> part three right and it's right. all of a sudden he's developed some wrinkle issues like he really needs to moisturize a lot more in the previous yeah. three days I don't know if that comes from all the, you know, the hormones that are raging through his body after he went through the change of part two to part three. I couldn't tell you.
2: Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Uh, Well, a question about the masks. Speaking of those, why didn't those factor into the climax they do a whole point in the beginning about how Corey feldman likes making those masks and then doesn't he and rob bond over like oh yeah i have masks too is that what they're doing is that what
0: bonding is i you you, i think they think that that's what bonding is i don't know (laughs) he drags him upstairs and And this is Jarvis is like, what? Why are you dragging this lumbering man up to your bedroom? And Teresa's like, it's 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 okay. It's okay. He's a man, and I would like him to take me away from all of this mom. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I want him to take me away from Murderland to somewhere else. Is that okay? All he has to do is kill a Backwoods mutant and, you know, see some of Tommy's fucking masks. And then Tommy opens the door and there's a look on His face, it says, yeah, it's all led up to
3: this.
0: (laughs) It's just kind of like that classic
2: sort of thing where you have to impress your girlfriend's little brother. (laughs) Something that I have had to experience myself. So, I mean, it's that part of that sort of uh, bland nuclear family unit that they are as opposed to the teenage fuck gang.
0: We have sort of surmised in the past that Tommy is an obvious nod to horror movie fans. Here is a person who might read Fangoria Magazine. He's interested in monsters and special makeup effects and that's the sort of like nudge nudge wink wink this is you i guess yeah and, and,
1: the... and he has some sort of conniption over overseeing a semi-nude woman you know just across the uh the way from his <laughs> right. i mean he's literally like almost screeching in in disbelief and, and and delight at this you know as seeing boobs from about you know 100 yards of pace. <laughs>
2: Like that is a very Catholic reaction to that to that scene.
1: Yeah, he's like he's yeah. like he's like appalled. Guilt! Yeah, he's appalled and shocked and delighted at the same time.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's I, I would say pretty much my first reaction to boobs. But the, the <laughs> deal was is that my first pair of boobs were in front of me as opposed to pairing off in some sort of rear window situation that he's got going on yeah Um, they
2: they didn't make a whole lot out of the out of the neighbor stuff besides that like you'd think they would if you're going to set up the situation right where it's a friday the 13th movie with where where uh the neighbors are main characters that you'd uh that you do a little bit more with that with the uh you know, see, watching uh, Jason kill the kids and and all that stuff, but that's really mostly wasted. They're just like away while the teens get killed, and then they just
0: come back for the climax. It sort of sets you up for something where you could where you could make it happen. I don't know if maybe if they just rushed it into theaters after part three and like ah, we just gotta kill this off and here's two different scripts and let's mash them together <laughs> well here's well, do you know sure. the story behind the actual screenwriting thing where uh the guy
2: who directed the second and third movies they just gave him a writer and director credit for it or they they tasked him to be the sole writer as well as the director and he's like i'm not a writer but it pays twice as much so sure i'll take it and then he just got his <laughs> friend who is a screenwriter to secretly write the script for him. And uh, I swear to God, this is all true. And he, they got in trouble with the Writers Guild for that. So, like, they would, yeah, so they would, like, clandestinely work on this script. So, this is basically the product of a guy who never wanted to write the movie in the first place and his friend. So, that's what <laughs> we're working with
0: here. And you wonder why women can't find work. Upper echelons of Hollywood is because of this shit.
2: Well, Patrick, did you ever consider that maybe they just have we just haven't found the right talent yet? That maybe Uh, they were just good enough they would get jobs. I know Gina's giggling with rage over here. (laughs) It's a definitive rage. Justified scorn.
1: (laughs) Single rivulet of blood running out of one of my eyes right now. Right. (laughs)
2: Oh, oh, Jesus oh, Christ. Oh, Hollywood's gonna a s- cesspool. It is.
0: <laughs> yes. It's terrible. Yeah. But yeah. it's the only way I fucking make money, so I gotta do it. Yeah, I haven't found any other steady form of income, so I'm just gonna That's plug it. away. Okay, um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's just totally disconnected, the, the two different parts of this. Mm-hmm. And then they wander about in. A sort of three and a half minutes of dead air as Tommy manipulates various gags.
1: I think he's just trying to be charming and please, please love me. Please. (laughs) I need a male figure in my life. (laughs) I I just have nothing to do out here. Please. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
2: I've played Zaxxon so many times. I can only
0: kill so many aliens. My mom's about to give me that haircut. I really don't want it, and yet at the end of this, he has no problem lopping off his own golden locks, and there goes all his magical power. It's all part of but, his it's all part of his master plan
1: you know, winter's going to set in, they're not going to be able to explore the woods. What are they going to do? Right. I don't know
0: that'll be the only they're already dressed for fall
1: they obviously don't have television, otherwise Mrs. Jarvis would know about the murders. So what right. are they going to what are they going to do all winter long they 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 need Rob Rob has to stay Rob must stay
0: So we've got a beguiled <laughs> situation as well Exactly you're doing here, I mean
1: and, and, it, and it, if if the movie had zigged rather than zagged he would have somehow mysteriously gotten his leg broken <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so you're kind of ble- so like a almost a misery thing
1: Yeah exactly okay. exactly Oh nice
0: I can nice. see that tease Plays nice with Tommy, as anyone would. Like, obviously mm-hmm. the kid has skill putting together this lizard man mask whose eyes move. Like, good for you, kid. Like, I can't do that. Good on you. And then a couple scenes later, we see Trish walking him out to him as he's going to wander off into the woods. <laughs> and she, she says... Yeah, my parents split up a little while ago, you know, middle-aged crazies, and a little light went off. I had never heard of this term until like a week and a half ago on 80s All Over. There was an actual movie called Middle-Aged Crazies, and there was a a country song called Middle-Aged Crazies. It's what they called... You know, a midlife crisis before they decided to give it that sheen of pseudo psychology. Notwithstanding, she says, Yeah, I just really hope they get back together. And Rob's response is, Yeah, I do too.
2: <laughs> what <in laughs> stake do you hold in this, Rob?
0: Why do you care? Why do you, I mean, you can express that, like, I hope you get what you want sort of thing in a way like, Yeah, that would be nice, not. Yes, I wish for them to be reunited as well. It's it's like, hmm, slow your roll, pal. (laughs) I want to be able to ask your father for your hand. (laughs) (laughs) When I wander into the woods and I happen upon a lady, I want to make sure that I have uh, the due appropriations. To asshole, hey! I don't know why I'm making him. Uh, I, I provide a proper dowry. <laughs> <laughs> All I have is in my backpack. I have this, but humble machete. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so sad. Yeah. So, what's,
2: she- yeah, what's the deal with Rob? Then, like, he just when does he? Is this when he goes off and hangs out in the tent?
0: Yeah, so he goes to erect his tent, because this is his master plan. He has given them the false impression that he's hunting bear, which is a bad lie. (laughs) Then, because who the fuck hunts bear in New Jersey? That's just not not something that happens. It's not something that happens most places. And then he does his pseudo-Columbo bit, where he's like, uh... Yeah, is there uh, any kids, uh, you know, partying around here? Real sneaky, like (laughs) I I need some place to peep on. You got it? I heard from a friend. uh, You might know him, Crazy Ralph. He said there's lots of windows around here to peep in on people. You got any
1: kids partying? I'm I'm really in the mood for a zima. You know any teens that are partying around here? (laughs) hook me up. There's some a cans Ebron's of old Gold Milwaukee. Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> I got a
0: hankering for wine cooler that only a teen party can satisfy. You know of any that are popping off right now. <laughs> oh, and one more thing.
2: Do you, do you know of anybody who's icing around here? <laughs> Do you know anyone who's keeping it dry? Why ask why? <laughs> you know that, that fad among the teens of 20
0: years from now. <laughs> I've heard tell of a dog, a sort of party animal, if you were. Uh, if you've seen it, its tracks are low to the ground, but you can see the drag marks of its Hawaiian shirt as it goes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Gosh>. So, <laughs> this is the
1: number one podcast are appealing to the youth of today. Yes, o- only the freshest pop culture references. We about.
0: are quite hip. <laughs> that sonic boom you hear is the sound of every millennial going "fuck that old man
2: <laughs> all at once. What are you talking about? We are lit <laughs> AF. <laughs> Oh, cool. oh boy anyway back to I rob and his muscle. yes and his jason hunting scheme uh, <laughs> watching those scenes it made me feel like i was watching a supernatural episode in reverse or like the other <laughs> side of a supernatural episode uh-huh. where like these are the people that the winchesters would come in and like try to help but no one would listen to them and they would all just end up getting killed
0: or he's the first murder that sets up like, oh, he yeah. was on something. Look at his diary. He's after yeah. this mutant hunter. Luckily, or we have he's... lots of weapons in our <laughs> trunk. That's a good thing because this guy has murdered a lot of people. Okay, you grab 13 shotguns. I have a mystical knife. Let's go after him. Like that, you're armed. He's got a flimsy, very slight boot knife. <laughs> <laughs> a machete that might be overcompensating for the boot knife, and then the world's daintiest deer rifle, which Jason <laughs> snaps in half in like a millisecond. He like throws a rock and robs all. Ooh, 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 ooh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Leap my alternate theory there. though is that he's uh, the third worst Winchester. <laughs> The, le- the least successful Winchester. Devin it? Winchester. And he <laughs>
1: wow. he, he, he kind of looks a little bit like them. Yeah, yeah a little bit. He's, he's, kind he's kind of just sort of like, I, I can be like
2: my cousin Sam and Dean. <laughs> and then he goes out <laughs> in the woods and gets murdered.
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: they all make it look so
0: easy with their cool car. <laughs> I don't have to listen to classic rock I can listen to progressive music I have talking heads in my backpack I have my television mixtape I'm gonna go out into the woods and I'm going to avenge my sister yes I am I'm gonna show him I'm
2: gonna show him good <laughs> we all have the best Rob impressions right oh, now I just listen, to put that it's like out he's there. in the room with us right? <laughs> right now
0: and he's two people <laughs> he's so well he's he is a hyphenate he has so many shades to him in all the (laughs) 10 minutes that (laughs) we see him on camera (laughs) right oh (sighs) I didn't yeah, think we yeah. would have this much material on Rob, but it's really blossomed. <laughs> I think we've had, we've had to manufacture a lot of it, let's be clear. <laughs> so yeah, he gets his uh, he gets his his little gun snapped in half, No, so he's only left with that machete. We mm. go through a lot of different uh, scenarios with people trying to lose their virginity and failing, mm-hmm. and the British twins failing to murder everyone in the house as they had planned, and all the stuff that we've already covered uh in in our podcast so far and then we cut back to tommy and trish on their way back from pizza or bowling i don't know where they've gone do you know where they've gone gina why did they disappear
1: because the script declared it. Yeah,
2: I, I, there you go. I, also, can I? Yeah, can I just say that it's serendipitous that you brought me on f- to talk about the characters Tommy and Trish because I have two cousins who are siblings with those exact names, and uh-huh. so I get like weird family triggers, <laughs> like like positive <laughs> triggers. I like them; they're good cousins. But it's just sort of like, why are we talking about Tommy and Trish are getting placed in mortal danger?
1: <laughs> did, did either of them hack to death a backwoods mutant? To
2: uh, your knowledge. I know that there are things we're not supposed to ask about at Thanksgiving, but I'm not
0: sure maybe that includes that.
1: So I will take that as a yes.
0: So uh, they come back from wherever and uh, Tommy, as they're driving, complains about Trish's uh, recklessness that he's going to lose his sucker. Now, (laughs) the thing is, with with a lollipop, as it were, there's two ways to hold on to it. One is your mouth and the other is your hand on the stick. If you can't hold on to a lollipop, you have some motor control problems in my estimation.
2: <laughs> thank you for thank you for weighing in uh as a there's, middle-aged there's white been... man on your opinions about how children should handle lollipops. Listen, I have <laughs>
0: opinions on lollipops that I deserve <laughs> to be heard. I'm through being politically correct about those who cannot handle lollipops. Now. <laughs> Hashtag fake if, lollipop news.
1: I, I think I think it would have been funnier if he just had like one of those giant Willy Wonka like
2: Oh, that would be great.
1: Like spiral lollipops. He's like nah. And then, like she, she stops and just was flying out at the windshield. <laughs>
2: or he finally beans Jason across the head with a with an everlasting gobstopper. Oh, it
0: just sticks.
2: Yeah, just, yeah. Or no, th- that just shatters his skull. Oh, that's true. Because those
0: things are tough. Kill, 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 kill. Break, 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 break. Greetings and salutations, killers. It's your old pal, Patrick, uh, just breaking into the action very quickly to let you know that you can head to EarTrumpetAudio.com to find all the other great shows on the network. We've told you about them in the past, but let me tell you, there's some great stuff on there, too, that I I want to direct you to specifically, and that is Pet Cinematary, and please don't send me to Outer Space, both of which are movie podcasts and The Realist. Hey, that's another one. Another great movie podcast on there. Uh, these are great shows. They're all great shows. But if you're looking for more movie stuff, there's some great stuff on there. I'm Tanya. check it out today. And if you want to find out a little bit more about our horrible monster hunter, Rob, let's say you want a different perspective. I would like to you know focus your attention over to Blumhouse.com. Rob G. over there from the Shockwaves podcast. Uh, I'm sure horror fans are aware of him, but he's a writer over at Blumhouse. And he does a column all the time where he respects, hashtag respects, various horror characters. And wouldn't you know it, just the other day, he wrote one for Rob. So if you think we're a little harsh on Rob, maybe you want a different perspective. I would send you over to Blumhouse.com and check that out. And also our good friend Brendan Klein from the Scream 101 podcast. He is writing over there right now. So check out his stuff. Give him some clicks. Why not? What do you have to lose? Anyways, I also wanted to uh, give some shout-outs to people who have been giving us lovely reviews on iTunes. And in fact, our old pal... Ben Varkantine, <laughs> it's twice I've maybe pronounced that properly, uh, wrote us a lovely review on iTunes. And of course, as we have said, you write a review on iTunes and you tell us what your favorite kills are, we'll read them here on the air. And of course, he uh, puts the spotlight on Jeff, uh, Jason's death scene from the final chapter, which we're about to talk about. Uh, and uh, he calls it the scariest movie and the scariest Jason. Absolutely correct. Uh, I mean, his head just slides down the machete till it comes to a rest. Jason decapitating the three people with one swipe of his machete, and Jason lives. And Melissa's axe to the face in The New Blood, which also has the best Jason makeup. And that's absolutely true. I don't think that makeup gets nearly the amount of love that it should. I think that is fantastic. Fantastic makeup work in that particular edition of Friday the 13th. Anyways, thank you so much, Ben. We're so happy with all of our iTunes reviews, and we'd love to hear more from all of you out there. If you feel that you like the show, please give us a, a, a review on iTunes. Give us five stars and tell us what your favorite kill from the franchise is, and we will read it on the air. And now, the body count continues. Kill, kill, kill. Break, 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 break. So they finally get to their destination. They they discover that their mom, once again named Mrs. Jarvis, has disappeared. The lights are off. So they hear some things and Trish gets worried and she says, Tommy, stay here. Figure out the lights. Like, go down because you're an electrical genius. We've established this with him restarting the car. All but 80s he, kids are Uh he is the very fucking definition of a Mary Sue. This kid, yes, because he can do no wrong. He is skilled in absolutely everything, and, and that and has a taste for murder. murder. Yes. yes, yes. He has a secret rage button inside of him that all it needs to be is flicked, and he's hack hacky hacky like a crazy person. Yes. But we'll get to that. So she wanders off into the rainy night, pantsless, brawless. And finds Rob's tent, because, I don't know, it It smells of desperation and bad ideas, and she can just track it. So she gets inside of it, and lo and behold, she hears footsteps outside. And then a giant slash opens up in the tent, and it's Rob. He's decided to attack an intruder by ruining his tent in the rain. <laughs> this is why... <laughs> Uh, this is the extra evidence you need that Rob is a shitty monster hunter. <laughs>
2: yes. Also, he, no apology, by the no, way.
3: No. She's like, like you, "You almost killed me." Tent.
2: What were you thinking? And he just like stares at her. And is like, "All right, moving on." I'm like, "No, no, 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 no." <laughs> you stand
0: there and you say the words, "I'm sorry." <laughs> I owe you nothing. Right? You were in my something was in my tent. Well, it's it was kind of on been you, Frankenstein. Man. It could have been a werewolf's. <laughs> And I, <laughs> I I taught it a lesson. Like, what, what was in there that you would have harmed by harming your own tent? Oh, fuck. Fucking Rob. God damn it. Rob. Get your shit together. How are you going to avenge your sister when this is how you act? This is not <laughs> the way to go about a vengeance plan. So she lures him into the tent, which is apparently not leaking rain for I don't know what reason. And then they tell each other a tale where he's got all these newspaper clippings, including the one that has a drawing of an artist's rendition of Jason at the fair. All it's missing is Jason on a tiny car or like, hey, Jason, you like balloons? Not particularly. All right, here's a big bouquet for you. And he's floating away on them. It's the <laughs> only thing missing out of that drawing. And he spins the yarn of everything we know up to this point, which is Jason drowned, but then they couldn't find the body. And then he hung out in the woods to watch his mom die. And that gave him the idea. I should start killing people. I have my purpose. And so he (laughs) waited five more years, found some people to kill, including Rob's sister. Then just the other day killed some more people. And now I'm here to solve everyone's problems. And that suddenly clues Trish into the idea. Oh, shit. I left Tommy back at the house next to the dead meat gang that you warned us about. (laughs) And they take off like a bullet in the night.
1: And And then what do they do? She returns to the house and immediately leaves him alone again. (laughs)
2: <laughs> you okay? Good. Okay. All right. Now we're gonna leave you again. Yeah, right. oh, it's
0: established. Because, All right, we're good.
1: She she has to go with Rob. Why? Why do you have to go with? Why? Why do you? Why are you leaving a twelve year old alone in this house when you know that an unkill, an unstoppable killing machine could be anywhere around your house? But no, you stay here, child. I'm going to go follow <laughs> the grown man to this other house. I was well, so Rob waiting for it to handle.
2: turn it Home Alone. <laughs>
0: See, that would have been fantastic. If there had been more of a Nightmare on Elm Street, like I'm going to set a bunch of booby traps sort of (laughs) going on, which it ends up kind of what happens in part seven, which we'll get to that. But those are psychically triggered sort of booby traps. But um, it would have been better if he had an offensive. I, I don't know that I would have bought that any more than what he ends up doing because... He examines those newspaper clippings is like, ooh, I got an idea. I got a whole bunch of uh ladies' Bix upstairs, and I'm just gonna <laughs> shave this bad boy off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go to t- that mm, it's all coming together. I got some of you plan. Gonna
1: have yes. those, strate- those strategically placed little strands of hair just, just right. just so
2: I'd be like you have to you have to work to avoid those, let's be honest.
1: <laughs> It's <laughs> like a, you're going,
2: you for meant it on to leave purpose. those on. You meant to do a, a go- like a Smeagol two weeks into being Gollum kind of look. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like um, three three minutes into Return of the King, but not four minutes into Return of the King.
0: <laughs> he had to leave just enough so that if he goes to Jamaica after this, he can still get braided by the beach. <laughs> That's right. He needs to get real iry. <laughs> Otherwise, you don't feel like you've gone to the islands. How are you going to tell your office mates? I went to Jamaica unless you come back with the braided hair. Uh, yep. no. Yeah. So <laughs> it's an experience. You have to do it once. So what, as Gina said, Trish is like, I got to make sure that this shitty monster hunter is OK. I'm going to go with him. <laughs> you, you, I'm, I figure you're fine. They go to the Dead Meat Gang's rental cabin, and they don't discover much. Once again, Jason, very astute at cleaning up. We get to see both sides of Jason here, as we discovered the last time we had Clint on. There is... Jason Voorhees' interior decorator and Jason Voorhees' exterior decorator. Interior's very cleanly. Exterior likes to do wild things with bodies.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Don't, doesn't he like hang Crispin Glover in a like, sort of cruciform out on a doorway? Yes.
1: Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to wonder. It, I'm trying to figure at what point he did that. Where to to, to the because it, it doesn't seem like it's very long between when when Sarah dies and then when the kind of the the climax occurs. So it, you, at what point did he hang this kid up and nail him onto a door frame?
0: And, and what was the point of that necessarily? Because most people can squirm by it. I mean, he has to like rip it off to get by, but he's a giant hulk of a man. Trish squirms by that no problem. So if that was his idea of like, this is a blockade that nobody can get through, go back to the drawing board, Jason Voorhees.
3: <laughs>
2: well, it's just
0: also like all these
2: displays of dead bodies are are very strategically placed so that the only way they can have that effect is if the person after them go goes through the house in a very specific pattern you know right
1: and that right and that goes back to how it's evident that apparently that that jason has a preternatural ability to know and anticipate how people are going to enter a house what rooms are going to go into you know what doors are going to open at what particular time but yet he doesn't appear to know how to operate a doorknob (laughs)
2: <laughs> to because, be fair half the people in this movie don't oh, oh yeah i either, mean yeah. Every,
1: every doorway window just gets shattered it, either, it's a
2: lost art
1: yeah either things are thrown through it either people are thrown through it or people jump through them themselves even the dog jumps through a window
0: that yes is- now we re gordon re-enters the conversation here as gordon tanks off for the dead meat gang's house and then we get this sort of awkward... Uh, the one window smash that doesn't work in this at all yeah. is when Gordon tries to... And i it's hard with an actual live dog. Like, you don't want to fuck up a dog. It, no movie is worth the dog suffering. But the way they tried to do it was in two pieces. Like the axe death that just happened. They get... Gordon to go up to it and give the illusion that it smashes, and then Gordon leaps out the other side. But it doesn't really look like Jason threw Gordon. It yeah, it looks, looks like voluntary. Gordon's like fuck it, I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah, I don't, <laughs> right? I
1: don't. Yeah, I never got the impression. I, I thought he just like yeah, fuck this, I'm, I'm out of here, and just took a header out through the window.
2: <laughs> well, I like that generous reading because then at least Gordon's alive. Sorry, Gordon's alive.
1: <laughs> Well, I mean, it's it's another fake out. It's uh, like Muffin. We thought Muffin died, but there was no actual... uh, I don't believe there was visual proof of Muffin's death in part two.
0: Well, no, Muffin comes back into the room just as Jenny and Paul have made it back into the cabin. And she's calling out for Muffin when Jason leaps through yet another window. Because Jason is like the bird spirit like he's taking revenge on all windows for his bird friends he can't stand surfaces you can see through and will damage all of them as he does in this movie as well he just constantly smashes fucking windows or makes sure that everyone gets defenestrated along the way now to call this back to where gina was leading us before when they walk into the house, uh, we're talking about Trish and Rob, they immediately head for the basement, I assume, because the lights are off and they're going to flick their beck and, and put on the, the breaker or whatever. But is Jason counting on that? Is that his plan? Like, I'm going to lure you down to the basement? Because sooner or later, they're going to find dead bodies. Isn't it more likely that they're going to come across dead bodies before they go searching for a light source in the basement?
2: (laughs) I don't know. I think all he knows is that those stairs are really terrible. (laughs) And I just really want them to catch their feet on them. Because that happens twice.
0: Yeah, it looks like Chuck Zito saw an early cut of Evil Dead's like, ooh, 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 stairs. I'm going to yeah. use them basement stairs. And, yes. and, he
1: also, and he also evidently anticipated that Rob would not only drop his machete, but go back for it.
0: Oh, there's a whole lot of machete problems in this, where people just lose that machete constantly when they should be holding on to it. It's yeah. like, don't, don't drop weapons. Don't, just hold on to them. Like, what else are you up to right now?
2: Yeah, the machete seems to be the main weapon of the third act, whereas like a lot of other Friday the 13th movies, they they depend on a few other implements, but it's pretty much just who
0: has the machete and when. It's like no other implements can be found whatsoever. So he lures them down to the basement and then he attacks Rob and we get what has to be one of the most vicious sequences in Friday the 13th history. In which we get to hear Rob, both say "Get out of here" and "Oh God, he's killing me." <laughs> uh, this is this is effective when the movie's doing this stuff. Chuck Zito is absolutely at his best because this is harrowing. This feels frightening when this happens. It's mm-hmm. not just "Ah, oh, that's a funny gag," or "That's crazy," or "I've never seen that before." This is a sort of culmination where it's built up the the imagination and the terror and the tension in the movie to a point where you get to hear somebody in the not just suddenly die from one massive blow, but be torn apart by someone. And oh, boy, it's kind of crazy.
2: Yeah. Well, especially because of the movie up to that point treats jason just kind of like as a series of arms and hands you know like because we barely see him when he's actually doing the killing and this is at it's at this point that we actually start to see him like in his full bodied like hockey mask form, you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and you could definitely see that Rob had you know, for a, an instant realized, wow, I'm really out of my league. I don't know what I was thinking here. I should have stayed home, but oh, oh, he's killing me. See, <laughs> it's a just very just... Owen
2: Wilson kind of reaction. It's like,
1: oh wow,
2: look at Jason, he's really <laughs> killing me with his machete. So I'm thinking this guy's Ow. like six foot
1: <laughs> this guy's like six foot nine. What the hell am I thinking? <laughs> right. I misjudged. This whole thing—I I came out in this basement <laughs> with a toothpick. What am I thinking? There's a crazy
2: killer out in our yard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it reminds me a little bit of the best sequence in Jaws. Two. The, the, there's a
2: there's a best <laughs> sequence in Jaws. There 2? There is
0: there there's one uh, one sequence that is fantastic. There's a a boy and a girl. They separate from the rest of the regatta group. They go off to make out. And the shark bumps into their boat and knocks the guy off and then carries the boat another 15 feet past. And she can see the shark and he can't. And she's just yelling, swim, swim, swim. And it gets him like three feet away and smashes him into the boat. And her terror is real. It's palpable. It just completely stands out as a real moment in a movie that doesn't have a lot of real moments when sharks are eating helicopters <laughs> and they they, they <laughs> can swim as fast as as water skiers and they get scars like they're a Bond villain. But that <laughs> sequence is fantastic. And it reminds me of this, that sort of one person is left to hear someone else's dying throes and they can't do much about it. She runs up the stairs, then she girds herself and goes, Oh my God, that one, that guy is my chance to get out of Crystal Lake. I gotta go back down. (laughs) Once again, (laughs) honing to Gina's idea that she is locked onto this guy. He's her only chance. Like, no other monster hunter is gonna saunter through now. She's gotta make a play. So she gets down there. Uh, she's like oh what the fuck did i get myself into tries to go back up the stairs jason yanks her her leg through the stairs and she hacks at it and then runs out of the house past a crucified man who doesn't block her way very well and then oh my god they go back and forth so many times what happens when she comes back to the house the first time Oh sh- oh Jason is that when throws Rob? Rob through a yeah. fucking window. Did didn't that happen in
2: part three too? Did that happen? Yes. yes. It happened I, was a like, couple I was like, I was like, oh man. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, why am I surprised? But I was like, oh yeah, that specific kill is it happened exactly the last
0: movie I did with you guys. The Voorhees family hates picture windows, man. Yes. That shit should not exist in modern architecture, according to that family. Yes. <laughs> Their coat of arms is just a guy getting defenestrated. <laughs> they wrangle and wrestle they they avoid a lot of things they try to nail the door shut and jason just bursts through it like the fucking hulk tommy gets grabbed by jason and she hits him with the claw the hammer in the back of his neck and he, well doesn't she try it
2: with the the hammer end first and then she's like oh wait a minute and then turns it around
0: yes Yes, After nailing I love that hit, moment. a man in a skull several times, like, well, I'm getting nowhere this way. <laughs> Let's try Which, the pointy end. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, dumb me. This person can't be felled by several hits to the skull by a hammer. He goes back, he bursts through the door, and then he throws the hammer and sticks it in the wall. It's so cool. <laughs> I'm sorry. This yeah. part is cool. This is cool stuff. Uh-huh. This is when Jason is at his most Jason Voorhees. And that's, I think, why I'm attracted to do it in some way, shape, or form. I like the coziness of it. I, I know that exactly is going to happen. But I also love when it becomes a sort of badass fight to the death. So she's like, get the fuck out. I'm going to lead him back to the other house full of bodies. And off she goes. <laughs> Tearing ass. Across Uh, the money field. You gotta give it to Trish. Yeah. She does everything in her fucking power to kill this guy, lead him away. I mean, yes, her thinking is faulty when it comes to Rob and leaving her her brother behind. But at this point, she's like, I'm going to lure him away. We know that this crazy person is here. Take off in the other fucking direction. And he's like, Ooh, I got an idea. And shaving cream.
2: A phrase gonna, I used many times in my youth. I'm
1: going gonna, I'm gonna to wait till Jason falls asleep, and then I'm going to put shaving cream in his hand and tickle his nose, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs>
2: yeah, you should have seen the look on his mask.
0: <laughs> Not much changed but i underneath i'm i'm guessing a lot has i knew to. i knew yeah we all knew we knew yeah. <laughs> so she tears off for the other house gets up to the second floor he comes up there and she's like oh i miscalculated the floor plan up here looks <laughs> at a window and is like well if it's good enough for the goose it's good enough for the gander and launches herself through the window Onto a balcony And then onto a very soft muddy ground that <laughs> To say if it's good like enough for the goose it. It's good enough for the Gordon <laughs> Exactly
1: yeah, she, saw, she saw one last bro- unbroken window And thought well that can't stand And just like <laughs> For some reason I thought it was the same
2: window And There's just like a Gordon shaped hole in it And she's like I've got an idea <laughs>
0: Like is like Gordon is Daffy Duck and he just went out through a wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it makes about as much sense as anything else. And while that stunt isn't as good as the Tina stunt where she hits the top of the station wagon, again, this is the thing where this movie steps it up with practical stunts. Why don't more horror movies use, use practical stunts? Because that adds a whole element to this. That it wouldn't have otherwise. It's like, oh, I'm so desperate. I'm going to do this crazy ass thing. And then you get to see it. And it adds, not to put too fine a point on it, impact.
2: It's true. But at the same time, I do, and I do agree it's a fun stunt, but I do remember seeing like the foam padding on her back that's like supposed to look like nude stuff with like her underwear. And it's definitely just like this blocky Mm -hmm. padding. So at the same time, I'm like, okay, I know what's going to happen here. But I mean, I do agree the practical effects are really, really fun, especially with that kind of homespun, these like Tom Savini productions where it's this homespun rubber stuff. There's like a kitschy yeah. sort of homespun quality to it that I really like.
0: And so she manages to get up and wander back. To this old house. For the what feels like the umpteenth time. And lo and behold, her brother has not left. Instead, <laughs> she's so pissed about that too i would be too <laughs> i yeah, know if I, I, I told you to leave <laughs> i would be on fire flames up the side of my face man <laughs> if i'm like i'm going to leave this crazy killer and then i manage to come back alive and you're still there and all you've been doing is shaving your head <laughs> Fuck you, Tommy! Fuck right. off.
1: Do you want to get murdered? Because this is how you get murdered.
2: Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then they end up going to the basement, right? Eventually, or no, the bottom floor. I forget where they are at the end. They, yeah, well, yeah,
1: Tommy. Tommy runs down the stairs and does his big gruesome reveal that he has shaved his head and given himself dark circles under his eyes because apparently, yep, that's what that's what I've gleaned that Jason looks like from this. This series of newspaper clippings and this right. blurry pencil drawing. How, how did he know that would work? Yeah, this is... I, I feel... This'll it, distract it, him. I, I feel like this is a, uh, it's important to point out that this is the second time that Jason has been distracted by someone pretending to be someone who's close to him. This time himself, which is sort of kind of deep and philosophical for a slasher movie. And yet it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like The
0: only way Tommy would have known to do this is if he had dipped in to a screen of Friday the 13th Part 2. Because there's no way that this information was contained in those newspaper articles where Jenny's like you know how I got him. I pretended to be his mom and the motherfucker fell for it. That's the only way he would know this information to try. So yeah, he just wanders down the stairs in sort of Uncle Fester cosplay. (laughs) And he's all
1: all like, remember, remember? And it's like, what is he supposed to be remembering? (laughs) The
2: 5th of November, Gina. (laughs) And
1: it's it's like, it's like, it's like, Jason, I just want you to stop for a second. I want you to get in touch with that little boy that's still inside of you. Just let me hug him. <laughs> just just let's hug him for a moment. Just long mm. enough so my sister can basically just just bury a machete in the side of your head. I just. Yeah. It, I mean, I I saw this movie for you know, ages ago, and I still, to this day, cannot figure out what that was supposed to accomplish, except for. For Jason to look puzzled for a moment, <laughs> which I mean, he, it works, which he does commendably. But I, I feel like the movie meant it to be a bit of a, a, a touching moment, it, or not touching, maybe poignant. But it's just like I, I mean, you know, it's just like what? Who is this kid, and why did he shave his head?
0: Again, because Ginny in part two. It's set up that she knows something about psychology. She is taking courses in college. This is something that she wants to pursue. Paul makes fun of her for it. So you know it's a good idea because there are no good ideas coming out of Paul. Here, it's just like this wild, not to put too fine a point on it again, stab in the dark that he's going to be like, what? Is that me? (laughs) Back when I drowned but didn't? And if you're like, why the fuck are we bringing this up again? I understand that they wanted to call that back a little bit. Like, oh, it's. George Lucas and everything rhymes or whatnot. But I don't get it. And then they share some sort of mystical energy where oh, they oh, touch we'll, each other's souls.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that because I I, th- I have things to say.
0: Yeah, he distracts him long enough for Trish to take a wild swing. She clips him, knocks the mask off, and then we get that reveal of now Jason who's gone a little bit California raisins. <laughs> I love you, Chunk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she she immediately looks at it and drops the machete like no no no, no i want no part of this <laughs> it's a big news this this was one thing before but now that i've seen your face i'm just gonna i'm gonna melt here i don't know why she becomes that friday the 13th trope all of a sudden when she's been a legitimate badass doing the best she can up until this point but she Uh, would just he's
1: pretty he's pretty jacked up i mean that's that that, that's that's a that's a face that could stop a clock i mean (laughs) (laughs) Uh. (laughs) well
0: maybe that's why the tommy thing works it just happens to be right that one time a day uh yeah up until this point like she's done some serious damage she sliced his hand right in fucking half Which is super gross. Yeah, that was great,
3: though.
0: It doesn't seem to bother him so much, just like all his other injuries. And somehow, Tommy gets him turned around and, like Alice before, just takes a good, nice, wild swing and happens to connect right in the side of his temple. He falls to the ground on his knees. <laughs> and then drives the rest of that machete to slice off the top of his oh, skull. Oh, that's fucking gross. <laughs> Yay, Tom Savini. Hooray. Yeah. This is why I brought you here. <laughs>
1: I, When I, I, I rewatched it, I was like, oh, yeah, that still holds up. Okay. Yep. <laughs> it does. It does. It, it works. It's
0: great. It's exactly the kind of send-off that you would need for someone who... Up until this point, he's taken so much damage. Nothing has bothered him whatsoever, including getting hung and an axe sticking out of his skull. And he's like, ah, uh, I brushed that dirt off my shoulder. He's. This is one of those things where you go, oh, he's not coming back from this. They went out of their way to give him some sort of send-off that is both memorable and definitive. And then... Paramount's like, yeah, maybe we'll start making more of those. You know, we said final chapter.
3: <laughs> how about
0: a
2: new beginning?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah.
2: Right? And in the meantime, here's the thing that bothered me about uh, about Tommy's like turn to the dark side that we should all be worried about. Like, are we worried about this? Like, that that's exactly how I would react to someone who I need to be sure is dead. Because... We have thought he was dead like two or three times before, and he's gotten
0: back up to kill again. Yeah, he he drowned and then magically came back to life and lived in the woods, which is non-fucking-sensical. So not much will kill this guy. You have him down. Everyone else just kind of saunters away at that point, like, good enough for me. And he's like, oh, fuck this. I'm going to chop the hell out of this person to make sure they don't get up. Yeah. And why the fuck not? He's just, for all you know, you don't know where your mother is. He just almost killed your sister. He doesn't really know about Rob. Well, I guess he does know about Rob because Rob got thrown through the fucking window. Yeah. It's evident that this guy, it does not want to come over for tea. And he just goes to town on him and like, I'm I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm just cool with that. Yeah. You know, In- I,
1: yeah I, don't have, I don't have a problem with that so much as, as the very end when mm. you, you kind of <laughs> get a, a sample, j- just a taste of the stupid turn the rest of the movies are going to take, you know, when they're hugging, and then at the last moment he just gives this sinister glare at the camera like, oh no, he got a taste <laughs> for blood and now he likes it, And it's like, and it's just like... What what's the takeaway from that? I mean, part of me wonders if they at that point were thinking ahead to what will be revealed in part eight that that he can in fact pass on his evil spirit to other people, <laughs> and and it's just it's a really I don't know I'm not gonna say it 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 it, uh, it diminished the quality of the movie I just felt like it was a really silly it, it was pretty much almost the equivalent of putting the end question mark
0: i (laughs) think you're exactly right about that you just nailed it that is exactly what it's trying to do is put the end question mark on it and it's kind of like i don't know i i can see that they want to backdoor it they just want to give themselves an out just in case this does well enough and you know they're like, okay, like let's do it. Like let's <laughs> let's fast forward until Tommy's a, a teenager and let's put him into a mental institution in the middle of nowhere and have a crazy ambulance driver go after yeah, him. And that, a yeah, and that's the strange thing. Is that
1: the is that part five in in no way even set it up to that it could possibly be Tommy. I mean, not not that it would have been, but it's like, well, we have this setup that he immediately snapped after after you, you turning this you know, monster that had threatened his sister's life to hamburger, and then they didn't do anything with it. It was, it's very, like I said, I, I, I just, I, like I, said, I don't want to say it left me on a sour note, but it seemed a little silly.
2: Yeah, as well as just incredibly impractical. Like, like I said, the whole the moment that in horror movies when a character enthusiastically uh, chops a villain to death by saying "die, die, die" is usually treated as like this practical comedic bit, a little bit too. Where if they're just going a little bit overboard to make sure a threat is dead, that's fine. They're just being overzealous. But here, it's treated like you know he's gonna grow up to become Elliot Spencer or something.
0: Well, the original ending for this, it should be noted, is different. In the original ending, um, we get a sequence in which Trish goes, wanders upstairs to find her dead mom in the bathtub. We then see a figure lurking behind her in the hockey mask yet again. And you think, that might be Jason. Oh that might be Tommy, and then Mrs. Jarvis. Her eyes go white, just like in the Prowler, and she leaps out of the bathtub. What? Sort of. They, oh, they try like every ending all in one. Oh like, no! We gotta have a person in water. We gotta have Jason come back. We. Gotta, <laughs> they try that carry ending yet again, mm-hmm. and i think it's it's evocative but everyone said oh we can't do that trick again it doesn't work it doesn't make sense yeah and so they did the as gina said the the end question mark ending and it's just not quite as satisfactory as endings have been up until this point for the franchise
2: and this is like the most number of people who have lived by the end of a friday the 13th movie right
0: well i mean if you count gordon that's three but we don't know what happened to paul in part two so he could be dead uh gene and i personally both hope that character is dead (laughs) but or maybe it's just me i couldn't tell you but um yeah two seems to be the most and um so this is kind of harkens back to they want some sort of gotcha at the end and this just doesn't work as well as the other surprises do
1: yeah for one thing for me strictly on a personal level i don't find murderous children to be all that scary i mm-hmm. mean in a, in a sense like like damien fine you know sinister children are are creepy to me but you know a kid chasing a, a, an adult around with a knife or just giving him a, a murderous glare is just i don't know that that seems very hokey to me and and i just i i didn't get any sort of chill like uh oh he's gonna he's gonna take over the mantle i just like eh, look at this twerp I'm trying to make a bad look at the camera you know <laughs>
2: right? Like... it kind of strikes me as like cory feldman hadn't quite learned how to not look at the camera
1: yeah, exactly like oh <laughs> like don't look mistake,
0: at the camera honey. like yeah like freeze frame on that mistake. lead into it
1: come on Corey give him a bad look give him your tough guy look
0: <laughs> you've
2: like... got a license to smolder <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I'm crying now <laughs> oh. oh boy so this once again we reached the point in all of our podcasts, where we have to choose our own death venture, guys. And our choices this time are, do you want to die like Rob, chopped to death, not quite quickly, knowing that you're going to die, and even saying it out loud several times to a person, you want to get the hell out of a rope. Or, do you want to have your leg sliced, uh, your shoulder sliced in half, um, but that then that doesn't affect you, and you come back, and you end up getting your uh, hand stabbed, your leg slashed, um, and hung, uh, and then an axe in your head. But that doesn't quite get you. And then you get your hand split open. You get hammered in the head, both with the blunt and the stabby end. Um, you get slashed in the face. Uh, you get your arm hacked. And then finally, a machete in the side of your temple, which you then help take the top of your head off. Your choice, uh, Gina Radcliffe. I, I look to you.
1: Oh, definitely the the latter. I mean, there there are n- not nearly as many sad deaths in the series as, as Rob. I mean, he he tries. He 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 is a, a zero of a hero as it turns out. But I, I just it's just a it's just a sad. Way to go! Whereas, just I mean, uh, uh, taking a machete to the side of your head—that's fucking badass. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to take that way out. Okay,
0: I could dig it, Clint. What do you say?
2: Uh, I think I may actually go with Rob's form of death, just because I do like to make a big spectacle out of everything and make sure everyone around <laughs> me knows what's happening. So I would be sure to be shouting that from the rooftops. I don't know if you guys are noticing this, but I appear to be getting slashed to death right now.
0: Please tell everyone. I mean, that is my decision, too. Uh, let's make this unanimous. Rob has the kind of death where he gets to shout about how awesome it is that he's going to take one for the team. Yeah. I'm dying for you. Live your best life for now Earn this. On. <laughs> Go to Jamaica and get your hair put into braids for me. Oh, fetch me!
3: Oh! <laughs>
0: read the secret
2: <laughs> follow its teachings
0: harness the power within. it oh. yeah um, it's unanimous it's 100% Rob there's no way I could take that kind of Jason level damage so unfortunately this brings us to the end of the final chapter oh. it's been so good but Like all great things, it probably has to end because that's where new beginnings happen. And, uh, folks, we're going to race. And I mean race through the new beginning. I mean, we are multiple deaths every episode. We're just going to take TCB in it every single episode so that we can get to the other side where fun stuff happens. But before we do that... Clint, why don't you tell everybody where people can find you and your podcast?
2: Sure, sure. Uh, So my main gig is I'm a podcaster uh, for Alcoholywood, which is at AlkaHollywood.com, which is a weekly film review slash cocktail slash drinking games podcast. We also just recently launched a spinoff of that called Alcoholywood on Tap, which is just me basically cashing in on my press release. Uh, screenings and talking about new releases. So, uh, And that that goes out every other Friday. So you can find that at AlkaHollywoodOnTap.LibSyn.com But all the major stuff is on AlkaHollywood.com and I'm on Twitter at AlkaHollywood.
0: Yes, uh, people you should totally listen to this podcast. Not only are you very funny on it and bring on great guests but you also have great drink recipes that people should be paying attention to. Uh, It's just Fantastic stuff. Oh, Gina, where can people find you on the internet?
1: I write about seventies and eighties television at tuneintonight.wordpress.com.
0: All righty, folks. If you want to reach out to us, there's a couple ways to do it. Email us at gmail.com, uh, at uh, killbykillpod at gmail.com. And then on Twitter, we're at killbykillpod. Once again, if we would ask you from the bottom of our heart if you can write and review us on iTunes. If you tell us what your favorite kill is from the Friday the 13th series. We will read it here on the air and tell everyone about it. And it would help us get out to more people and expand the podcast. And that's what we really need to do this year. We need to break out wide. And that is our main goal. And and then we'll just offend some cast members of Friday the 13th part three while we do it. <laughs> But we'll talk about that in another episode coming very, very soon. Until that time, everybody, this is the Kill by Kill podcast. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Kill by Kill is produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. Friday the 13th is owned by Paramount Pictures. Jason is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill Logo was designed by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today.